Hey, welcome to Beyond Traffic Podcast. I'm your host, Shehu Abdelgoni, founder of Your Content Smart, an ROI-driven SEO agency for B2B SaaS startups. In my six years' experience working with SaaS companies, here are three things I've learned. One, most SaaS founders and executives care about the business impact of SEO more than anything else. Two, SEO isn't just a traffic acquisition channel, but also works well as a customer acquisition channel. Three, to drive revenue from SEO, you must look beyond organic traffic. So, in this podcast, we bring on B2B SaaS marketing executives and startup founders to share how they are taking a holistic approach to SEO and using it to achieve specific business goals. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Beyond Traffic podcast. I'm your host, Abdelgeni Shehu. Today, Ben Sela is joining me on the show. Ben is a skilled writer and marketer with deep expertise in content strategy, search engine optimization, marketing analytics, project management, and more. He was previously the inbound marketing director at CoSchedule, a company he joined in its early days and was instrumental in driving its impressive growth from content marketing and SEO. Today, he's the director of inbound marketing at Automatic, working to grow WordPress.com as the top-managed hosting solution for WordPress websites. When he's not working, he can be found working on freelance writing projects, playing guitar, and cross-country skying with his wife, Rachel, and their dog, Audrey. So I'm glad to have you on the show, Ben. So I welcome you. And I believe the short intro, like I did a good job with it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. It's all true. Okay. Thank you very much for validating what I did there. So before we dive in, I would like you to tell me more about your background. And specifically, our audience will most likely want to know how you got into SEO and content marketing. Sure. Yeah. So I first got into content marketing and SEO through journalism. I went to college for journalism and PR, initially like really wanting to be a music journalist, which is still something I do like in my spare time. My initial plan was that I would probably go work for a newspaper or something like that. And around the time that I graduated from school, the journalism job market got pretty rough. And so I started to find something else that I could do with my my skill set and remain gainfully employed. And so that was how I I kind of stumbled into the content and SEO world. I got my first job out of college in e-commerce as a content writer and then spent about a year and a half at an agency. When I was at an agency, I actually did very, very little SEO. It was more social media, email, landing page copy, like website content strategy and things like that. And then I landed at CoSchedule and was there for six years, started as a writer and then worked my way up to a director level inbound position, learned a ton, really had a a lot of fun while I was there. And then a little over a year ago, I arrived at Automatic working for WordPress.com. I really appreciate you for sharing your 
background and how you got into SEO and content marketing. So before we dive in into the big questions I have for you, can you briefly tell the audience about WordPress.com, what it does, the core features, and like who will find it most helpful and valuable? Sure. Yeah. So WordPress.com is hosting for WordPress websites. So we offer a variety of different plans for people who are just looking for like a, a simple personal blog or a website builder all the way up to enterprise grade hosting or managed hosting for WordPress sites. So if asked for like who it's best for, I would say it's best for anybody building a website on WordPress. As non-specific as, as that might sound, we also offer WordPress a VIP, which is generally for more enterprise level customers that are hosting their sites on WordPress.com. I think historically people used to think of WordPress.com as the little brother version of WordPress.org or what's commonly referred to as self-hosted WordPress, but it's really come a long way. When I was in college, I actually made my first journalism and photography portfolios with WordPress.com website. That was probably 12, 13 years ago. But yeah, if you haven't checked out WordPress.com in a while, I would definitely encourage everybody listening to go check it out. Well, thank you very much for sharing that insight about WordPress.com. So still on WordPress.com, like until recently, I've never thought of WordPress.com as a company that invested heavily in SEO. So I would like to know mm -hmm. when did that change and why did you decide to go all in with SEO? Yeah, that's a great question. So historically, WordPress.com has always done very well SEO-wise for branded search, which makes sense. You know, for any WordPress-related search query, either WordPress.com or WordPress.org are going to show up like fairly highly most of the time. And so I can't really speak to historically what the thought might have been toward SEO, just because like I've only been with the organization for a little over a year. But my perception is that for a, a long time, it just really wasn't, it just wasn't necessary or just the opportunity there wasn't, what was it maybe wasn't seen or just wasn't like fully invested into. And so what we've been trying to to get better at over the last year since I've joined is trying to, to do a better job showing up for non-branded search, um, for searches where WordPress.com could be a really good solution for people. And so for a lot of people who are maybe wanting to say they're, they're wanting to start a blog and they're wanting to start a website, or maybe they want to like launch a podcast, create a newsletter. And maybe they want to set up a link in bio site, any of these types of things. If you're not already familiar with WordPress, or if you're not already thinking that WordPress is the solution that you want, you're probably not going to include the phrase like WordPress or anything WordPress related in your search. And so that's really where I think we see a lot of opportunity to, to grow with SEO. And I think that might explain why you're starting to see more of a presence and more of an investment there than, than maybe what there was before. It's something I'm really excited to be, you know, helping make happen because I think that there's a lot that WordPress.com can do that, you know, people don't necessarily know about. And 
they wouldn't learn unless we create the content they need and kind of meet them where they're at in, in search. Okay. Thank you very much for sharing how and why WordPress.com is going all in with you. But I'm still on that question. So you mentioned that branded search was the core focus previously, and now you are moving towards non-branded search. So, and then you mentioned that maybe someone's searching for how to start a blog, how to start a podcast, how to create a newsletter and so on. So I assume that these are the core features of WordPress.com. So, and you are trying to rank for those keywords so that when someone is looking for a solution to their problems, like mm -hmm. you, WordPress.com as a probably solution. So the question I would like to ask is how did you decide to go after those specific keywords that you mentioned? Was there a process that led to it or? Was it, you just felt that, okay, maybe potential users would be searching for these and will go after it, or was there a process that led you to target those keywords you mentioned? Yeah, it's a good question too. Part of it was just, we kind of just saw the opportunity there and we just weren't really capitalizing on it. And also we have some really great marketers on our team that have done a lot of really good customer research. And so customers were telling us that they needed help with all of these different types of things that were not necessarily unique or specific to WordPress, but they were specific to the things that they were trying to get done through their mm -hmm. WordPress website. And I think once we connected those dots, that's really when the, you know, light bulbs kind of started going off that, you know, that was a direction that we should be moving in. But I would say more so than just purely being driven by spotting the SEO opportunity, it's very customer driven. And yeah, and it, it's interesting actually like hearing people tell you like, these are the problems that I have. And I would really like it if you were could help me with these things, you know, and sometimes it can give you like a really good foundation to then dig deeper into, you know, like different keywords and you can start parsing out the way that they describe their problems or the things that they're looking for help with. And you can like find other topics that even that are related to those topics. It's something that I think I've really learned over the last year is how important it is as SEOs and as content marketers to start with the customer. And then start drilling down into the SEO tools after, because I, I think typically a lot of SEOs will jump straight into like whatever SEO tool they use and they'll start pulling out, like if, say, if they were working with a new site or if they were in a new job or working with a new client, they would jump straight into the SEO tools and pull out what they believe to be all the highest opportunity keywords, and then they'll just kind of start prioritizing just based purely on search volume and keyword difficulty and things like that. And it's, and that that's fine. You know, I mean, that can work. And I think there's a degree of that type of work that needs to be done, but I think it just makes a lot more sense and it's going to make your content a lot more valuable and a lot more effective. If you start with the customer and start with your product first, you really can't go wrong by prioritizing the topics that most closely relate to your product and the topics that most closely relate to the, the pain point that your customers are feeling most acutely. And so that's really the two paths that we've gone down so far when it comes to topic selection and content strategy. And it's all still pretty new 
but we are starting to see early signs that that strategy is starting to show signs of success and showing a lot of signs for a lot of potential in the future. So yeah, I would say start with your customer. I feel like it's cliched advice and maybe it sounds like a really simple, but I, I can say in my experience, like I, I definitely see the value, I think much more clearly in starting with customer research before you start getting as granular as picking out keywords and things like that. Thank you very much for that. I really enjoyed your insights and your approach, like starting with customer research before doing the keyword research using SEO tools. Another question that someone might be wondering is, okay, how do I really do customer research? Can you share your process, how you do my research at wordpress.com that has helped you to identify all these potential keywords that your target audience are searching for? I can't speak too much to how we approach customer research at wordpress.com just because I personally am not very involved in it. I'm more a beneficiary of the work of my peers who do really very, very good customer research. But I can tell you, and I, I wonder if this might be of more value anyway to listeners who might be at startups or in more startup-like environments, like the one I was in at CoSchedule. You know, like if you're in a startup or if you're in like a scrappy small marketing team, like you might not have people around you whose job or part of their job is to research your customers, but there are people in your company who know something about who your customers are, know something about what problems you're really trying to solve for those people. Though I think if you were a marketer and on a smaller team or in a startup, you could start by doing some informal customer research just by talking to your CEO, maybe talking to like your customer support colleague, talk to people on your sales team. Um, and like really engage with those people on an ongoing basis. Like maybe make it a point to sit in on a sales call like once per week or to maybe even try taking some customer support tickets yourself or just if your company has something like Zendesk, maybe just go through the tickets that are coming in. Like you don't even, you don't have to try to like do customer support necessarily yourself, but that can be a really good way to get a sense to what types of problems people have with your product and different issues that they run into, different things they're trying to get done. So those can be some really good starting points. And then social media, obviously, can be kind of tough. Like if you are not anything like your target customer, this can be difficult, but try to find like the publications that they read, try to find the places online where they hang out and are discussing anything that's like relevant to your industry or your product. So that could look like anything from finding the right Reddit channels or the right YouTube channels, or even finding the right like business publications or trade publications. You know, that was something that was pretty valuable to me. Back when I was working at an agency, one of our biggest clients was um, an equipment manufacturer, like construction equipment. I don't know anything about construction equipment. And before that, I worked for a company that sold pickup truck accessories. I didn't know anything about pickup trucks, but the more that you can kind of like just hang out in the places online where your target customers hang out, the more you kind of start to kind of like learn the lingo that they use. You kind of develop a sense for their sensibilities 
in a way that as a marketer, it's going to help you create content, write copy, whatever it is you're doing, you're going to be able to communicate with that audience much, much, much more authentically. And also in the process of doing all of that, you're going to learn a lot about what their top problems are because you're probably going to hear the same things regularly. And then once you kind of have like a sense, like these are things that people care about, like then you can start jumping into, you know, whatever SEO tool you use and start trying to mine for which keywords and things that you need to include. Something I've seen that does not work well is just making assumptions about what people care about or assuming that your target audience or your target customer cares about the same things you do or thinks that the same things are important that you do. I've seen firsthand that sometimes those things can be wildly mismatched. Like the things that a company feels is important about their product or the problems that their product solves versus the things that people are actually looking for. Don't make assumptions, go into your content strategy with data, whether it's qualitative or quantitative, no matter what type of company you work for, no matter like the size or no matter, you know, what your level of resourcing might be. Those are all things that anybody can do. I think that anybody working in content or SEO should be doing those things regularly, whether or not you have people around you who can provide you with insights from actual research. Yeah, that was really interesting. Gained a lot of insights on how to actually do customer research. And I agree with you about not making assumptions, which is what a lot of marketers do these days. But like when you actually, um, learn from your customers, you be able to identify their pain points, their problems and so on. So thanks for, for sharing that with me. Another question I, I have is since you joined wordpress.com, what are some specific business results that you've been able to achieve through your SEO efforts? Yeah. So like I was saying earlier, the actual impact outcomes haven't been like anything crazy groundbreaking. There's probably a hundred people on LinkedIn posting better case studies like right now than what I could share with you so far. But that's not to say we haven't had any successes or anything like that. It's just things are new and it, it takes time. You know, but one one win that we have seen that was really fun was we did a really simple test with a really simple call to action on just a very small handful of articles, like maybe like two dozen articles and just kind of like moved the CTA from way, way, way down at the bottom of the page to like up top, like after the intro, like where wow. a normal person is actually going to see it because not everybody scroll past <laughs> the bottom of an article just to go looking for a call to action. And something that was really interesting was even though the call to action wasn't well designed the copy was okay, but it wasn't like anything wildly creative. It was just very, very simple. It's like a headline, short amount of body copy and a link. And that was it. It actually have a much better conversion rate than the CTA further down the page was getting. And it also drove more in terms of the raw number of leads that came from that CTA on like two dozen articles was about on par with what we were getting from like a very similar CTA that's at the bottom of over a thousand articles. And so we kind of saw that and we're like, wow, if we can do that on two dozen articles, like what happens when you 
start putting it in more places. Like what happens if we actually tried and made the CTA look and sound rather than just being something that we kind of whip together quick just for a test. So that's something that's really encouraging. And I think with that too, we're pretty selective with the pages that we place the CTA on just to make sure that it had really high relevancy with the, the offer being made. Aside from that, at this point, it's like pretty bread and butter in terms of what our SEO content playbook looks like. If I could boil down our SEO playbook to one word, I would just say relevancy. That's really more important than anything else. It's, it's tempting to just chase volume or to just go picking up low-hanging fruit on things that are just like really easy. But I think that if you go for like what's most relevant to the business and to your customers, I think that's probably a quicker path to revenue than just either doing what's easy or purely just chasing those search volume numbers that, that can just be like really tempting to go after. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. So I'm curious, like you mentioned about the CTA. In retrospect, why do you think mm -hmm. it worked for you? Yeah, I think it's really simple. And I don't think that the answer is very scientific. I think it works just because the offer was really relevant to the reader. And also it was just place where it was just easier for a person to find. Like if you have calls to action that are important, put them where people can see them. That's it. <laughs> I feel like I keep coming back to relevancy. It was just the CTA was like the content was relevant to the products and the CTA was relevant to what a person was looking for. Yeah. I appreciate you for sharing that. So, and I think that portraits the fact about like ensuring that they actually want the reader to take is actually congruent to what they were searching for. So I believe maybe for instance, someone searching for how to start a blog and maybe there's a CTA that says something like start a blog now or something like that, it will be much more relevant than when someone is reading an article about maybe how to start a YouTube channel and mm -hmm. there's a city about start a blog now. That's my thoughts regarding that. So moving forward, like another question I would like to ask is like, what is one SEO strategy that you believe has had the biggest impact? in terms of ROI for your business in the last six to 12 months? I, I think the biggest thing, it's thinking about how do you shorten the path between someone reading a piece of content and wanting to make a purchase and really focusing on the things that are most relevant and just throwing all of your energy into just those things. I, I'd say the biggest thing that impacted my ability and the ability of the teams that I've been on now and in the past to drive ROI. The biggest thing is focus and knowing what to say no to. I think it's really easy, I think as marketers, as SEOs, it's really easy to get caught up doing all kinds of things that we think we have to do or that we think are really important that maybe don't directly drive impact. Once you kind of start taking some of those things off your plate and just kind of like narrow your focus and like commit to doing fewer things with doing those things better. Not only does your job get easier, but your work improves and the outcomes that you see from that work improve. And yeah, that, and I think maybe like tied to that, kind of letting go of perfectionism. Like obviously you should always strive to produce polished work that you're proud of. But I think sometimes in marketing, this particularly with content and with SEO, it can be really common for either teams to 
want to run ideas through too many layers of approval and review before something ships, and it builds a lot of friction into your process that might not be useful sometimes that maybe like the, what the team needs and somewhere between those two points like it's really common and really easy for things to kind of create like a frustrating environment for everybody so i think the biggest things that have helped me make an impact in the drive roi is figuring out how to get stakeholders on board how to eliminate things from processes that aren't necessary, like steps that aren't adding value. And then how to just be disciplined in how, in, in what you choose to focus on. None of those things are easy, but the better that you can get at those three things, I think the more effective you'll be as a content marketer and as an SEO, because if you can do those things well and do those things effectively, think you're going to be able to drive way more impact than say, if you were really good at, at doing SEO, but you weren't good at talking to people or making a business case for what you do, or if you're just like, not good at like managing workflows and processes, or you're someone who just tends to get way too caught up in really minor details that maybe don't matter as, as much as you feel they might. Thank you very much. What you just mentioned just emphasizes why SEO should communicate more. So it, it's not just about doing the work. It's also about showing the impact and letting others in your company know about what you are actually doing and how your SEO efforts is helping the business to grow. So, and that brings me to the next question. So like, how do you measure the ROI of your SEO program? How do you communicate the impact to your colleagues and executives? Yeah, I love this question. I think the answer is going to be slightly different depending on what type of company you're working for and how complex your buyer journey is or how complex your sales cycle might be. So like if you're an e-commerce company, it's relatively simple because in most cases you have a pretty direct path from someone making a click to making a purchase unless people arrive on your site through something like a blog article and then maybe there's another step in there between when somebody arrived on the site and actually arrived on the product page so when i got my start um in in seo when i was in the e-commerce world that much was relatively simple and as long as you are building good quality traffic, increasing traffic could somewhat reliably increase ROI. What I found in the SaaS world is that's not necessarily true in the same way that it was in e-commerce. And so I, I would think that if you have like a pretty short buyer's journey or sales cycle or whatever terminology you want to apply to it, it could be as simple as we're just going to put a CTA in our content with a link to a purchase page. And we're just going to track the clicks on that button, or we're going to track the number of like account signups or completed purchases as a result of somebody viewing that article. If you have a product with a more complicated buying process though, like if it's a type of purchase 
where there's going to be like multiple stakeholders involved. Like it's not going to be just like one person clicking a button and then buying a $10 a month product or something like that. Say it's like something where a company is going to have to get their legal team involved and contracts are going to have to get drawn up and all this type of things. Then proving the value of SEO can be more difficult because there's a lot that's going to happen between the point where somebody arrives on your website and when the ink dries on that deal. And so at that point, I don't know if this might be a semi-controversial opinion, but it might actually not make sense to try to connect SEO directly to revenue because there's too many things going on to like accurately say SEO drove single-handedly X monetary amount of revenue, but you could track other things like form completions or how much pipeline are you building leads generated. And I think you just kind of have to be sensible about at what point do you just stop trying to attribute everything to SEO and start seeing SEO as just being one piece in a much bigger puzzle where you have more robust metrics and measurement in place that are appropriately weighing attribution to like each piece of the picture. So like we know that SEO drove X number of signup completions and X percentage of those signup completions or form completions identified as XYZ customer segment type. And we know that like our average customer value for each segment or whatever is ABC amount. And then like, you can kind of start estimating from there. My takeaway there is if you have a really simple buyer journey with a lower cost product, it's a lot easier to tie SEO to revenue because there's fewer steps between a click and a purchase. I would say to make that advice scale all the way from like the low end to the high end, I would just say like, just kind of figure out what is the last point in the chain that you can reasonably say SEO influenced business up to this point. And then just be okay with that. For that point looks like for your product or your company. Because like SEO isn't everything. It's, it's part of the puzzle, but it's not everything. It shouldn't be the one thing that's driving your business all by itself. I think on the flip side of that too, particularly with more enterprise level products or just with products are more complicated. Something that can be really difficult if you can't really tie SEO directly to cash sales, it can be kind of difficult to explain how it actually is contributing. You just have to have a good awareness of what the contribution is and how that contributes into the bigger picture. I think that's probably the simplest way that I could put it. Let's take a breather from the episode and talk about one of the common questions I get from SaaS startup founders and marketers, which is, when is the best time to invest in SEO? You see, this largely depends on your industry, business goals, growth trajectory, business stage, and so on. So, to help you understand if SEO is the right fit for your startup and the opportunities in your niche, my agency, Your Content Mart, built an SEO ROI projection analysis tool for B2B SaaS startups. Head over to yourcontentmart.co analysis 
again yourcontentmath.co slash analysis to get a free SEO ROI analysis for your SaaS startup today. Now back to the show. So what I took from what you just mentioned was that SEO is, mm-hmm. is a marketing channel and it's not everything. And when it comes to buyers making a decision, they don't make a decision solely based on because of your articles ranking on Google. So sometimes the first point, like how the first know about your brand was through SEO, but what made them to actually make the purchase to actually try out your software was maybe because of a podcast that they listened to, or maybe because of a newsletter that you sent to them, maybe because of the webinar that you organized and they attended. So I think my takeaway from what you just mentioned that is not that SEO doesn't contribute, it does, but if you actually want to tie SEO directly to ROI, it will be pretty difficult to actually do so. Another question that I have here that I would like you to answer is like, assuming that a SaaS startup wants to invest in SEO, like maybe a founder or a marketer, they are just starting out with SEO and they are looking to make a business impact with their efforts. So what advice would you give to them? Yeah. So just to like rephrase this, make sure I understand correctly. You're just asking like, what can people do just to make a business impact or what can SEOs do to show they're making an impact? Like, yeah, the question is actually, let's say a startup, they want to invest in SEO. They don't just want to do SEO for the sake of driving oh, sure. traffic only. They want it to have an impact on their business. So like, what advice would you give to them? Yeah. Okay. So I think it can be helpful to know why you are looking to hire SEO skills in your organization. And I think the better understanding that you can have before you start hiring staff, you know, of what you really believe their, their value to be, I think the better that working relationship is going to function for everybody. I don't think that that means that like business owners or CMOs or Whoever it is that's looking to invest in SEO in the company, doesn't mean that you have to be an expert, but you do need to have a good sense of what value and what actual impact SEO can have and understand that it's not just traffic. I think when you start prioritizing traffic or something else that's really common, if you just start prioritizing publishing volume (laughs) or things like that, companies really get themselves into trouble they spend a lot of money with very, very little return to show for it. And I think in both of those cases, there's case studies everybody's familiar with that are kind of outliers a little bit where someone dropped a million dollars on content that was all pretty short and churned out super fast and it drove all this traffic. Like those types of stories don't work out for most companies because in most instances, that company had something that most companies don't like, whether it was just more budget or a better strategy. There's always a, a piece of the puzzle that's kind of like left out, but people just see the end outcomes and just think like, well, they spent a ton of money or they prioritized traffic or they prioritized publishing volume or they prioritized whatever other kind of surface level 
I don't know if vanity metric is the right word for it, but they prioritize something that wasn't business impact and just kind of, it happened to work out. I think just like try to understand what do you think the impact on the business will be? And if you start with that question and then kind of work your way backward from there, like you might find that you actually don't need to spend as much as you thought you did to get the return you're looking for. Maybe instead of prioritizing publishing volume, you prioritize relevancy. But you can do better at doing less and maybe that'll work out better for you than just trying to publish as much stuff as you can. If I could kind of summarize, I wouldn't invest in SEO because you saw some flashy case study or because somebody told you that it could have this dramatic impact on your business, unless you actually understand what the impact is going to be and how it's going to drive it. You don't really need to know the nuts and bolts of how it's implemented. Just kind of understand like what types of things SEO is good at influencing. Yeah, thanks for, for sharing that insight. So one final question, like what are some common mistakes that you see SaaS startups make when it comes to driving business results from their SEO efforts? Yeah, I think one of the biggest mistakes that I see, to be honest, is following what other people are doing. I think that there's kind of a, a very depressing lack original thinking, I think, in SEO and content. I think that sometimes there can be this idea that if we can just go find what worked for somebody else and then just put up enough budget to do the exact same thing, that it's going to work for us the same way it worked for them. And it's usually not the case. I want to preface this by saying, I think that AI tools are going to change the way that we do marketing. They're going to change the way we create content. But I think that the ways that I kind of see and hear people talking about using AI tools, it just feels like it's just accelerating this kind of copycat approach mm. to content. Like all those tools can do is just take input and then just kind of regurgitate it into a copy. They're not capable of thinking. They're not capable of problem solving. And like SEOs already have a problem. It's like misapplying the skyscraper technique. I'm just going to go look at the top 10 things on Google. And I'm just going to mash all that stuff together into my own article without regard for whether that advice is even good. I kind of get the impression that a lot of SEOs think that AI is going to help them do that kind of stuff faster. And I think all it's going to do is accelerate a race to the bottom because now everybody can do the same wrong thing more quickly. Another mistake, I think just like not testing enough, not experimenting enough to kind of see what might work for you. And I think that kind of goes hand in hand with a tendency to just wanting to copy your peers or to copy your competitors or to think that because your competitor is doing something that means that you need to go do it too because like if everybody thinks that way everybody just kind of chases everybody around in a circle and for all you know they could be looking at you and thinking the exact same thing like definitely like be aware of what your competitors are doing but i would warn against 
kind of giving in to the, uh, the the fear that they must know something that you don't. I think that also kind of fuels a lot of the sameness that you kind of end up seeing with content in a lot of different verticals and a lot of different industries and things. I mean, I definitely see it in like B2B marketing, but I like see that happen like in verticals and niches that are completely outside of marketing too. Maybe the third is just believing that SEO is going to work quickly. SEO can work quickly. It can start to show signs that it's going to work relatively quickly, but generally it's not like a one and done type of investment where you just drop a ton of cash on it. You get traffic overnight and, and the, that traffic keeps coming in. It, it's something you have to keep investing in. I think there's something that I see passed around on LinkedIn quite a bit. And I think this is really good advice. There's a counterpoint to this that I want to address too. The reason why companies get told that SEO takes six months to work or 12 months to work is because they want you to sign a six to 12 month retainer, which is probably really accurate in a lot of cases. And I think it can also justify a company or like the agency just kind of spinning their wheels for a while before like any actual work gets done. But like, if you're like real brand new, like your company is like, you just got your site on the web. SEO could take a while. Like, especially if you're in a really competitive niche and you're going to have to be ready to create content that you honestly believe is the best thing on the web, not just like your version of something that 50 other companies have already done. On the flip side, if you're a company that's had a web, like maybe you've been around a while, your website's been around a while. And the reason that you're struggling with SEO is because you just haven't invested in SEO. In a case like that, then like SEO might actually be able to produce results really quickly because it's just a matter of making what you already have on your site better. Yeah. But maybe that's like the nuance there. I think how long it takes to work can really depend on a lot of things. I wouldn't listen to anybody who says it can work super quickly or it takes six to 12 months unless they've actually looked at your site and they kind of know the situation that you're in because a lot of common wisdom and stuff like that, it falls apart really quickly once you actually try to apply it to your own situation, which might not be the same as somebody else's. Think of the last thing I'll throw out there, underestimating what level of content quality is often necessary to compete in a lot of different verticals. If you're like a marketer that's marketing to other marketers, like in the B2B space, it's tough because everybody knows how the game is played. Everybody's <laughs> trying to sell to one another in the exact same way. Everybody's pretty dang good at what they do. And so it kind of ties back to like my point about not really being able to succeed just by doing the same things that other people are doing. It's, you have to be willing to invest in content that is objectively high quality, that offers something that other people don't offer or can't offer. I think it also gets back to some of the concerns I have about AI is, and with people kind of seeing that as a shortcut is, I think there's kind of a belief where people think that quality is tied purely to word count. You just see so much of the same stuff over and over and over and 
it, what it does is it creates an opportunity for brands and marketers and SEOs that just want to do something different. Like, for example, like if you saw like a search results page for a given keyword and you saw 10 listicles, why not try giving people like a how-to process instead? Like it can be as simple as that, but depending on the query, it could be that everybody's publishing listicles because everybody's looking at what everyone else is doing and everybody's just churning out different versions of the same listicles that all have the same examples that are all copied and pasted from the same sources and, and whatever. And I mean, that's just like one, that's a pretty specific example, but yeah. And it just like, give your customers what they need. Like if someone arrives on your website and they consume a piece of your content, like do whatever it's going to take to make sure that your content fully addresses the question that was asked so that they don't have to go somewhere else and get the rest of the information that you left out. And so I think that's where like the skyscraper stuff comes in. They're like, oh, okay, I'll just like mash everything together. That's already on Google. But if none of that content had the right information in it to begin with, you've just made a larger piece of mediocre content. You know, <laughs> if it's prioritizing things that aren't relevancy, prioritizing things that aren't quality and prioritizing things that aren't business impact. And I think that sometimes as SEOs, we don't think in those terms necessarily, or those aren't like the things that are at the top of our minds when we're doing our work. But those, like, honestly, those might be the only three things you actually need to care about. I honestly believe an average marketer who cares about those three things, I think that they will outperform people who are experts at SEO nine times out of 10 because they're focused on the right things. Thanks very much for sharing that. So uh, I think my biggest takeaway from what you've just shared is like prioritizing the right things is actually how you get results. So not mm -hmm. trying to copy what other people are doing or leveraging the exact strategy that your competitors are leveraging or trying to do what a bigger brand is doing, which mm -hmm. a lot of people do these days, maybe HubSpot's SEO strategy, Monday.com SEO strategy, and so on. So like there are a lot of nuances involved. So you have to really understand your company, your audience, and you also have to think of how you bring and unique insights. So and not just create regurgitated content, like what is already in, out there. So I really appreciate you, Ben, for coming on this show. So like one final thing, is there anything else we'd like our audience to know about you? And if they want to connect, like where can they find you and how can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So probably the easiest way to get in touch is to just look me up on LinkedIn. It's probably that's really the, the only relevant social media platform I'm on these days. But yeah, anybody listening to this show is welcome to come find me on LinkedIn. I'm always always available to talk content and SEO. Thank you very much. I will make sure to include the link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. So once again, I really appreciate you, Ben, for, for showing up on this show. And to be frank with you, I got a lot of uh, insights, like uh, especially how you think about SEO and how it connects with other aspects of marketing and why companies should not just look at SEO as the only channel they should focus on but you should also think of how to use SEO and 
other channels to get the results that they need for their business. So I really appreciate you for, for showing up on the Beyond Traffic podcast and hopefully we'll bring you back on the show. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Beyond Traffic podcast. We hope you learned something new from our guest today. If you'd like to read in-depth breakdown of SEO strategies, download free SEO templates and checklists, and other helpful links and resources shared by our guest, you can go to beyondtraffic.co and subscribe to our email newsletter. Lastly, it will mean a whole lot to us if you spread the word about this podcast by sharing it with your friends, colleagues at work, and social media followers. And don't forget to leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast player. Thank you once again for listening. Talk to you next time.